Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. How, how true does that ring in our lives today? When things seem to be going wrong and things, things just don't seem to be going down the right path. We have that truth that we can lean upon God and because He lives, we can face tomorrow and all fear is gone. Amen. Amen to that. Uh, this morning, I uh, see a lot of new faces out there. I just want to welcome the guests this morning. Uh, a new face I have, am not familiar from seeing from the pulpit is Kevin. He's usually not here when I preach, so uh, I'm glad that Kevin could be here this morning. Uh, I'm a little nervous, but it's all right. Uh, this morning, we're going to be telling, uh, I'm going to be reading a story out of the Bible, and I'm going to be talking about that story and how that story can apply to our lives uh, even today. And uh, I don't know, as a, as a young person, um, 22 years old, 23, uh, here in just a, about 20-some days, right? Yeah, 20-some uh, days, I'm going to be 23. Um, sometimes I, I, I get to the point where I'm reading the Bible and it's like, oh, the Old Testament doesn't seem real interesting to me at all. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a young guy, I'm, I'm, I want to see all these promises that Jesus is doing, all the works that Jesus is doing, so the New Testament is exciting. But here just lately, I've been reading in the Old Testament, and I've uh, been reading about these different stories that happened back then, and this one particular story um, has always caught my attention. And here lately, with the things that I've been uh, struggling with in my life, and uh, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll be transparent with you guys this morning, one of the things I struggle with the most in my life right now is trusting God. And with all the things that have happened in the past couple months in my life, and just, just things that uh, the, the enemy throws at me, I sometimes struggle with that. I struggle with trusting God. I struggle with thinking, can I do this? Is this really where God wants me? Is this, is, does God really have this all under control? And I start doubting myself. Well, then I turn to this story that we have in Exodus. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and read that story for you guys real quick. And it's uh, Exodus uh, 4. 1 through 17, it says, Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to them, What is that in your hand? He said, A staff. And he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, Put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand, and he caught it. And it became a staff in his hand, that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Again, the Lord said to him, Put your hand inside your cloak. And he put it inside his cloak, and then he took it out. Behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, Put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside, and when he took it out, behold, it was restored to that of the rest of the flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. If they will not believe even those two signs, or listen to your voice, you shall take them to the water from the Nile and pour it on the ground, and it will become blood. But Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not an eloquent. I either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute? Who deaf or seen or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, O oh my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, you will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth, and with the mouth you will teach both what to do. He shall speak 
you, he shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be God to him. And take in your hand this staff, which you shall do great signs. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now, Lord, and Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for this beautiful day that you've given outside. Uh, Father, Lord, we thank you for the cold weather, Father God. Uh, we thank you for uh, just the, the, the work of your creation, Father God, and how this world works. And we go from warm to cold, to warm to cold, to warm to cold, Father God. But you have it all in control. Lord, we thank you for that we could come here this morning, Lord, and we thank you for this text that we're going to be studying. Lord, uh, the great man of Moses, Father God, and, the, and the, the, the different trials that Moses went through, Father God, but you pushed him through. Lord, I ask that this uh, message that we hear this morning, Father God, be from you, Father God. I empty myself and fill me with your spirit, Father God, to speak the words you have this morning. We thank you and we love you. In your every name we pray. Amen. So here we have a story of Moses, who all of us have probably heard of Moses before, and Moses is talking about God came to Moses in a burning bush and said, listen, Moses, I need you to go do this for me. Well, Moses gives about four different excuses why he can't do that. So I was trying to think, what, what's something I could show you guys this morning? Well, then I thought of a, a video that happened, that was a couple years ago. I'm a huge sports fan, and this, this sports story really caught, me, caught, me, caught my attention. So, Dale, if, if you could show the video, please. Greece Athena High School in Rochester, New York, has a new most unlikely hero, a special ed student by the name of Jason McElwain. Let's keep it going. Jason is the basketball team manager. For the past couple years, he's been assisting coach Jim Johnson, helping with whatever the team needs. Get him motivated and uh, hand out water and just be enthusiastic. Enthusiastic, to say the least. Despite being born with autism, Jason's father says his son has never had a problem expressing himself at basketball games. You know, I was always concerned that he might get a technical and they lose a game because he, you know, start yelling or whatever. Let's have a hard practice tomorrow, all hour and a half, and let's get ready for Arcadia. Yeah, okay. Let's go. One, two, three, two. Because he has been so devoted to the team. For the last game of the season, Coach Johnson decided to let Jason actually suit up. Not to play necessarily, just to let him feel what it's like to wear a jersey. At least that was the plan. But with four minutes to go in last week's game, Coach Johnson stood up and pointed to number 52, Jason McElwain. After years of fetching water and toweling off other people's sweat, Jason was actually in a game. His first shot was a 20-footer from the right baseline. Was it close? Did you almost make I missed. it? I just airballed it. <laughs> I'm like, just, dear God, please, let's just get him a basket. His second shot missed, too, but the third was a charm. A three-point no-doubter. And Jason wasn't done yet. Not by a long shot. If I wasn't there to witness it, I wouldn't have believed it, you know. You caught fire. I just caught fire. I was hot as a pistol. Jason ended up shooting six three-pointers. One right after the other. He had 20 points total. And each time a shot went in, his teammates and the crowd went a little crazier. His last basket, right at the buzzer, created total mayhem. Because he is autistic, Jason says he's used to feeling different. But never this different. Never this wonderful. Steve Hartman, CBS News, Rochester, New York. Every time I watch that video, I, I, I just get so excited. Here's a, here's a kid, Jason, who has a disability. All right? He's autistic. 
Um, if you know anything about kids with autism, they don't function as well as um, uh, uh, regular kids do. They have uh, some uh, slow uh, mental delays. Uh, they don't, they're emotionally, they're not all there. But here's a man who is a manager, was a manager his entire career, and then one time the coach gives him a chance to, start, chance to dress up, and he tells him he's, you know, he's probably not going to play. But then the coach calls upon Jason. He calls upon Jason and says, Jason, you're in. Now, how easy would it have been for Jason to say, mm, no, 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 I, I, I'm autistic. I, I, don't, I have a disability. I, I, I don't play basketball. I don't play basketball. I'm fine with just sitting right here. But Jason didn't do that. Jason took the calling that his coach had given him, and Jason went onto the court and shocked the world. Now, I consider myself a pretty good basketball shooter, but I don't know if I could go in and hit six threes like that. And Jason, by just having confidence in himself, just having a little bit of faith that he could accomplish the task that his coach had called him to, goes in and inspires not only his team, not only the people there, but inspired the entire world. ESPN got a hold of this story, and they ran with it. And he, they brought him onto the set, and people were just inspired by Jason. Just because, just because, he accepted the call of his coach, and he went into the basketball game. Now, to answer some of you guys' questions sitting out there thinking, what does this have to do with the story of Moses we just read? Well, here's, this, here, here's what we're going to talk, that's what we're going to talk about today. Moses, one of the greatest men that we can think about in the Bible, is approached here by God in a burning bush. And he says, Moses, I want you to lead my people out of, out of Egypt. I want you to do this. Okay, now if you look at your sermon notes, and yes, there is, a, there is one on the back. Alex got on me because I have four points and not three. Um, there's doubt. Moses has doubt. And the first doubt that Moses has is doubt of his self. Now I want us, this, for the, to, to this morning, I want us to think about putting ourselves in Moses' shoes. Because what I ultimately want to think about this morning is when God calls us to do something, we doubt sometimes. And we have these different forms of doubt, just like Moses did. So first he says that Moses doubts himself. He doubts who he is, alright? So let's look, at, let's look at Moses for a second, okay? Moses was adopted, basically, okay? His mother put him in the river. Pharaoh's family found him. They adopted him. They put him into his family. But then Moses goes on, and right before we get to this part with the burning bush, Moses had flee, uh, uh, got away from everybody because he had what? He had killed a man. He saw that they were treating him wrong, and Moses killed a guy. Okay, so first, Moses instantly thinks, I have murdered somebody. Surely you're not going to use me, God. I'm a murderer. God says, I don't care. Okay, so then, what's Moses doing right now? Moses is actually attending a flock in Midian. He's attending a flock in Midian. Do you think people are going to listen to a guy who's attending a flock? Hey, guys, I know I was just shepherding some sheep over here a while ago, but God called me to come out here and lead you guys out of Egypt. No, he's probably going to get a lot of laughs, and people are going to start giving him weird looks like, you don't, you're not anything important. Well, Moses starts thinking this stuff, and this was his first excuse. I am a nobody. How many times have we thought to ourselves, I'm a nobody. Here I am, you know, I have a so-so job. I'm not anywhere important. I work on the line of a factory. I'm the eighth guy on the bench at basketball. Um, I'm not a cool kid. 
I, 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 I'm, I'm a nobody. I can't. When God calls me something, people aren't going to listen to me. I'm a nobody. Well, God tells us in 1 Peter 2.9, He says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. So God says, you are somebody. Because when you accept me into your heart, you are instilled with my Holy Spirit. And therefore, you have me inside of you. And I am the greatest of all. So for us to say that we are a nobody is kind of insulting God because God created us. And when God created us, he put himself into us. We are out there doing his work. Therefore, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we are somebody. We are a royal priesthood. We have been called upon. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He's telling us again, He has created these works that we are going to be walking in, so therefore, if we are nobody, why would He call us to these works? He has called us to a purpose. He has called us to a purpose. Now, when we sit here and we think we doubt ourselves, well, guess what? Sometimes we can't do things on our own. Actually, a lot of times we can't do things on our own. We try. I'm probably one of the most independent people I've ever met. I do not like people helping me out, whether I'm whether I'm struggling with something, whether it's uh, something I need to do, I want to do it by myself. In college, presented with group work, they'd say, you could work with a partner, you could work by yourself. Well, I would always work by myself because I didn't trust the person I was going to be with. But God tells us that there are times in our lives where we are not going to be able to do it on our own. And we've tried that before, haven't we? We've tried to do it on our own and we have failed. But God tells us here in Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. Okay? Why do we not need to be frightened? Why do we not be dismayed? Right here. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He's telling Moses right here. Moses, I want you to go do these things. I want you to go lead my people out of Egypt. And I'm going to be right with you the entire way. He's not going to send Moses out there by himself because you know what? Moses is a nobody by himself. He's a mere human. But when Mo- once Moses realizes that God is going to be there, God, Moses realizes, okay, well, my first excuse didn't work. I'm going to have to try something else. I love how Moses sits there and doubts himself after God had... Okay, let's, uh, let's just think about this. If God came to you today... In the form of a burning bush, we would be freaked out, would we not? Okay? Let's forget about the burning bush. We've been talking to the bush for a little bit. We're thinking we're dreaming, but everything's okay. We're getting okay with the bush. And then God says, all right, take this stick and throw it on the ground, okay? So we take the stick and throw it on the ground. It's a snake. Okay? I can't stand snakes. Dad reminded me, to, Dad reminded me this morning that I uh, actually had a snake in front of my refrigerator the other day at my house. Yeah, I know. All right? But even Moses was afraid of snakes, so I feel a little bit better. It says Moses jumped back. So I'm in the same category as Moses. 
Alright, but he throws it on the ground and it becomes a snake. And Moses instantly is like, oh, holy cow, that was a snake. Okay, well then he's changed. He's thinking, okay, I'm okay, it's a snake. Okay, that's, that's cool. He says, alright, take your hand, stick it in your cloak. He sticks it in there, leprosy, sticks it in, gone. Then he says, okay, now you're going to get water from the Nile and pour it on the ground, it's going to be blood. He performs three miracles right here in front of Moses. And what does Moses still do? He still doubts that God's going to work through him and is going to lead the people out of Egypt. You know, I could sit here and say, oh, Moses, what are you thinking, dude? He's got, look, look at all the great things God's just done right in front of you. And you're still doubting? But then I think into my life and think about the stuff that God's done in my life, and I still doubt that he could do something and make something good out of a bad situation. But let's see, once Moses gets shot, shot down for his first excuse, he instantly brings out a second excuse. And he says, but the people won't believe me. A burning bush told you this stuff? Why would God ask you for? What kind of importance do you have? What kind of power do you have to lead us out? Sometimes we worry if people will actually believe us or not. Sometimes we worry, just like Moses did, that people won't believe that God has called us to do something. So many times I hear people say, I feel like this is what God was calling me to. And then you hear, and then you hear people say, no. And those people are the ones that, that ultimately tear down the people that God has called. And because you, you start sitting on that disbelief. And we are so worldly minded that we think that we, we, we worry. I worry more about what you people think than what God thinks sometimes. Do you, is that not right? Do you guys think that way sometimes? You worry about more about what the people sitting next to you think than what God thinks. And that's where I struggle sometimes. And that's where Moses was struggling at. But God says, I got it. They don't believe. Look at these three miracles. We'll, we'll get them believing. We'll get them to believe. But does God give us signs like that today that we can make people believe? I wrote down here, I said, how many times in our lives have we felt a calling from God and we haven't been 100% sure, and then God gives us assurance in that calling? How many of you guys, how many of you guys, and I don't even see hands or anything, but just think about this. How many times has God, you felt like God was telling you to do something? But you weren't 100% sure if that's exactly what God wanted you to do. And then you went and you did it. And then God gives you a sign or something that says, that was right. It's happened to me before. I wrote down here, that could happen in the form of Scripture. When you're reading something and the Scripture just jumps out at you and you're thinking, all right, God, yeah, that's it right there. That's exactly, I needed, that's, a, that's the assurance I needed right there. Maybe it's through prayer. God answers a prayer that you have been praying, and He shows you that this prayer that you've been praying is the right thing to be praying for at that time. Other people. Sometimes other people can bless us by when we do something for them. Or I've had moments in my life where I, somebody has walked into a room and I've felt a heaviness or a calling to go pray for that person. And then I go and pray for that person, and then that person starts talking to me and they're saying, man, I was really struggling with that. I'm really glad you came and prayed for me. I wasn't going to tell anybody, but man, God, God called you over here. Circumstances. Circumstances. God puts us in different circumstances, and our circumstances end up working out to where God wanted it to be. 
opportunities, etc. There's many ways that God can show us that what we believe is true. And God shows us all the time, but sometimes we're just not looking. James 1, verses 5-8 through 8 says, if, anyone, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. Moses wasn't going in faith in this opportunity. He was doubting that, he was, that, what, that the people would believe. He was doubting that the people would believe that God had called him to lead his people out and lead them to a better place. And he doubted. He doubted a ton of times. And I want, you, I want to encourage you guys today, and, and I thought about this, I don't want to sit here and condemn anybody for ever doubting. I doubt. Kevin doubts. Leadership team, we doubt. But here is the thing that I want to push upon you guys today. Doubt is not always bad. Because listen what doubt can do. Doubt is normal. If I had asked for a raise of hands right now, how many people have ever doubted God? Guarantee I could get some hands. Doubt, when we experience doubt, it causes us to search. I know in my moments when I'm doubting God and I doubt what's going on is is really going to benefit me, what do I do? I turn straight to the Scripture. And I start reading. And I start listening. And I start praying. And I start searching. In my times of doubt are the times where I have searched God out the hardest. These past two months, I have doubted more in my life than I ever have. But in those two months, I have grown more spiritually than I ever have in my entire life. God has called me. God allowed doubt to enter my life so I could dig deeper. I could find more about Him. I could build a relationship with Him that is even stronger than what I had before. So if you're a person in here and you're doubting today, don't be discouraged by that. Take that doubt. Take that, take that tool of the devil that he sometimes sends at us, that doubt that can sometimes either tilt us one way or the other. Turn that doubt into something positive. And that doubt can grow. And eventually get to the point where it talks about in James, where it says we will do things in faith with no doubting. With no doubting. You may never reach that point, but I, I, I encourage you to strive for that. Doubt, should be, doubt will get less and less in your life once you start understanding the sovereignty of God and you start understanding the wisdom of God and you start understanding the ways of God. Will we ever figure it all out? No. But we just need to believe. Don't doubt your beliefs. Well then, after Moses gets done talking about his doubt of belief, and God puts a, puts a stop to that, and it, it's funny because God counters every move that Moses has here. 
Moses says, well, okay about this. Oh, okay, good move. How about this? Oh, okay, you got that too. Okay, well, how about this? And the next thing he throws at him is his doubt of his physical body. His doubt of his physical body. There is not one person in here today that has not doubted their physical body on a calling that God has called them to. Maybe God's called you to go on a mission trip, but you think, oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm so tired. I don't know if my body can hold up. I don't know if I can go there, and I don't know if I can build houses like Hap or build houses like Marty. I don't know if I could build houses like them. But we doubt ourselves. Well, here's what Moses says here. Moses says right here in verse 10, he says, But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Now, when you go back and you study that and you really try to find the meaning of what Moses is talking about there, it's talking about Moses having a stuttering problem. Have you ever talked to somebody that has a stuttering problem and they just can't get their words out? You wouldn't think of them as being a great speaker. I've seen people before that when you talk to them, you, they, just, they, 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 they can't get it out. And it's frustrating to them. And it's sometimes frustrating the person they're trying to talk to because they can't understand what they're trying to say. So Moses is saying, there's no way, there's no way, God, that I could talk to these people and get them out of here because I can't even talk. Then God comes back with my favorite counter move in this entire story. And he says... God, okay, here's this. Who has made man's mouth? Who has made man's mouth? Now, if you think about it here, God's kind of almost being sarcastic in a way, isn't he? Because he's like, oh, I'm, you, I, I can't speak. Okay, who made your mouth? Who did this? Who's made you? Who has made your entire body? Do you not think that I know that you have that disability? Is it, do you not think that I know that that may be a hindrance in this ministry that I'm calling you to? God says, listen, I have made man, I have made mouth, I can surely help you through this. He is implying that he can take care of any physical problem we have. You want some application of this right here? The man that we have leading this church is blind. Kevin has, Kevin has problems seeing. But God says, Kevin, have I not made your eyes? Have I not made your body? Do you not think that because you are blind you cannot lead a church? I will take care of it. I will make everything work out. And it's such a blessing to see this firsthand about how we can doubt our physical bodies and we have a man who's leading our church just completely letting God take control of his disability that he has. And Kevin, that is an inspiration to me. That is an inspiration to all of us. And we see God working in that situation. And yet we still doubt our physical bodies sometimes. Oh, I'm not strong enough. I'm not good looking enough. I'm not fast enough. I don't speak well enough. I'm shy when I get in front of people. I get nervous too easy. I've heard all these excuses before. 
I've heard all these excuses. If somebody, you know, I, want you, I just want somebody to stand up and pray. And they say, oh, I, I'm, not, I'm, not a good, I'm not a good prayer. Not a good prayer? You're praying to God. You're talking to God. That's, God doesn't care how you speak. God doesn't care how you, how you move. God doesn't care how tall you are, how short you are, how skinny you are, how fat you are. God doesn't care about that stuff. God is saying, I have made you for a purpose. And I have made you that way to go in your ministry. Here's the encouraging part. After Moses just finally, he, I think Moses has given all these excuses and he's sitting there trying to think of one. And then finally, it says the anger of the Lord was kindled. God, start, God got angry. Moses, I want you to do this. Okay, we could sit here and play this game all day about you throw excuses out to me and I counter your moves and we could do this all day. But you know what? I'm God, I'm going to win. And he says here, he says, now therefore, go. Go. When we sit in doubt, and we sit and doubt that God can do something, and we throw excuses out, why we can't do what God's called us to do, and we keep throwing those excuses out, God gets tired of listening to it, and He says, listen, it's easy. The solution to all your problems are easy. The solution is me. Where you fall, I will pick you up. Where you lack, I will give you strength. I will raise you up. But we are the ones that have to go. God says, I will take care of you. I will take care of that belief. I will take care of your mouth. I just need you to go. Now, can God do His work here on, on earth without us? Yes. By, by no means does God need us to do work for Him on earth. If God wanted something done... God could just snap his fingers and that would happen. But this is where I think people are blind to seeing this sometimes is God allows us to do his work here on earth to glorify him. He blesses us with allowing us to do his work. Do you ever think about that sometimes? God could do God could do anything he wanted to. If God wanted to save somebody, boom, he just snaps his fingers and they're saved. But no, God says, Josh, go talk to that person. Go pray to that person. I'm going to do my work through you. He loves us. He wants us to be a part of his ministry. Jesus told his disciples whenever he left, he says, you guys are going to do far greater works than what I did. Because God, we as the church are still doing Jesus' works that are not finished here on earth. We are still presented with opportunities every single day. But the problem we forget a lot of times is what this board says up here, and we forget to go. We sit here, we get all pumped up, we, we, we say, okay, God, you've got it, you've got it, let's, let's, let's do this, but then we've got to go. In order to fulfill God's calling in your life, in order to fulfill the plans He has for you, you have to go. John 14.12 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, 
And greater works than he than these will he do because I am going to the Father. He empowers us through the Holy Spirit and he tells us to go. Daryl, if you go to the next slide, when God tells us to go, he tells us to put our disabilities behind us. Our doubts of ourselves, our doubts of belief, our doubts of our physical body. He tells us to put that behind us and the first thing we need to think about is going. Forget about the disability, put that behind you, and just go. And then, when we do these things, when we forget about all the problems that we may have, and we just go, and we run after God, next slide, Daryl. God is able. Next slide. When we put God's command to us to go, to go talk to somebody, to go help with somebody, to go overseas, to go on a mission trip to Guatemala, to do a four-year mission term in Peru, to let somebody go, to do whatever. If we just sit back Forget about everything that, he's, that we have wrong with us. Because there's a lot of stuff we have wrong with us. And we just go and have full faith that God's going to take care of it. God is able. God is able. I love what he says here at the end. And it's kind of humorous to me because he says, he gets mad at Moses and he says, Is there not Aaron, your brother? Now here's me, speaking personally, if somebody asks me to do something and I'm sitting there thinking, ah, I'm I'm, I'm not good at that, I can't do that, I I don't know. And then somebody says, oh, okay, well, we'll just get Seth or Matt. Oh, no, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. Trust me. I can do it. All right? I mean, I think that's where Moses was coming from there. I think Moses was thinking, oh, all right, well, we'll both do it. All right? Don't Don't let Aaron do it. Don't let him get all the glory for it. You know, I can do it. I found that to be funny, but... He, he allows Aaron to come into his life, and he allows God, uh, Moses to speak through Aaron. That's how God corrects the, mista- the speaking problem of Moses. He says, Aaron's a good speaker. Let's just bring Aaron alongside of you, and then we can do it. So God solves the problem, and the story speaks for itself. Moses goes in, and he leads his people out of Egypt, and he performs many different miracles with his staff and everything else, and God is glorified in all of this. So I'm here to ask you a question this morning. Is there doubt in your life? Is there doubt of yourself? Do you think of yourself as being a nobody? You may be sitting here this morning thinking you are a nobody. What, how, how can I be a somebody? You want to be a somebody? Accept the Lord and Savior into your heart. The Gospel tells us that whoever accepts Jesus into your heart will be saved and you will have eternity in heaven and you will do works here on earth that God has prepared for you and you will have uh, eternity to spend with God. And the love that He will show you is just tremendous. All because God, Jesus, God called Jesus to go and Jesus went and He, he went. Jesus went 
And when Jesus decided to go, he decided to lay his life on the line for us and ultimately lose his life in order so that we have the power to go and that we have the power to believe and that we do not have to doubt that people are going to believe what we say because when we share the gospel, the gospel changes lives and it affects people directly. And then we think about we doubt in our physical bodies. Yeah, Jesus was 100% God, but we forget sometimes that Jesus was 100% man. And do you not think for a second that Jesus thought that his body could not take the beatings that he was going to take? I bet he did. I bet he did. But he knew all he had to do was go. And God was going to be able to work through that and save all the people that would just believe in him and call him Lord and Savior. That is the ultimate example of going. What Jesus did for us. And this morning we are going to... We're going to go through a, a, a communion together that's, that symbolizes God in us. It symbolizes Jesus dying on the cross and us partaking of His body and us partaking of His blood. So we can understand that in us lives the Almighty God. And because He lives in us, we, ha- we don't have to fear tomorrow. Because He lives in us, all fear is gone. I want to pray for you guys real quick. And then as we finish our prayer up, I'm going to ask the leadership team to come up. And we're going to partake in communion. And I'll explain how we're going to do it um, after we get done praying. But right now, let's just bow our heads. And if you're in this room today, and you're, and you're doubting God, and you're, you're having trouble trusting God, and you're having trouble understanding where He has you in life right now, or what, what He's doing in your life right now, We're just going to pray that that be cast away right now. 